Hey, sports fans, I've got a new show on SB Nation Radio. That's right, a national terrestrial radio show every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern. So, tune in on your local FM station or stream it live from SBNationRadio.com. I'll also post the show right here as a podcast the next day. You in? It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. And online at SBNationLive.com. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans. It's Coach Nick here, as always, on the B-Ball Breakdown radio show. Coming at you live on SB Nation Radio. Really excited to be here. I'm here every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific. I don't like to do the Eastern time first. I want to do the Pacific time. That's where I am. That's where you should get some respect for that. Uh, we're also coming at you live on Periscope as a simulcast. So if you have any questions there, you can maybe shoot them over that way. I can try and get to some before we are finished with our show today. But we've got a jam-packed uh, show coming up for you. A lot of great stuff. If you want to call in, you can try that at 1-800-777-2907. Uh, and you can actually call in like a regular radio show. And communicate with me directly if you like. Uh, don't forget, I also run the YouTube channel, B-Ball Breakdown, the most popular online channel devoted to NBA analysis. And uh, we have some really fantastic stuff up there this week so far. Uh, some of the recent videos I've done, uh, why LeBron should go to Philly, uh, was a very popular one. People seem to be interested to see how LeBron could work out with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. The answer is, well... Um, although we've never seen LeBron play with a dominant low post player before like Joel Embiid. And the only question also would be, would LeBron uh, back off a little bit and let the youngins do enough of the work? Uh, interesting question. We won't know if, unless he goes there. But the key here for me is he needs to stay in the East if he wants to keep getting shots in the finals. I think it's too hard to go to the West, even though that might be an interesting narrative. I think it would be a sad narrative for him if he went. So he should stay in the East. And the only question is, will he get in the way? of the development of the young guys, Ben Simmons particularly, because he needs the ball as well. Uh, but it would work. I don't know. I don't care that Ben Simmons doesn't shoot at all on the outside because they can get action so they can get him involved in pick and roll. In fact, they could have LeBron screen for Ben Simmons. It would be beautiful. Some other uh, videos we had. We had, is Derrick Rose's career over? It's a really uh, very legitimate concern for Derrick Rose. Um, I, the thing is, he played pretty well in New York. He definitely played well enough to merit a um, another contract. But his AWOL uh, episodes, both in New York and then in Cleveland, uh, did not sit very well. So that's an interesting issue uh, as well. We'll have to see how that plays out and whether or not he's going to accept a much smaller contract than he probably would uh, imagine that he'd get. So it's a really big uh, deal for him, and we'll have to find out what's going to happen. I would imagine someone's going to offer him something, uh, and either he takes it or he goes and makes a lot more money like in China or something. So we'll have to find out what he wants to do. And one thing you may have in common with Derrick Rose is looking for that perfect match. While he might not find one in the NBA, you can certainly find your perfect match using eHarmony. Don't make a bad choice by swiping left or right. Let eHarmony's years of science, data, and psychological research send you to the right match. Registering is fun and really gets you thinking about what type of person you are, so it's not a shallow hookup site for short-term dating. They have helped over a million people find their match. Think of it like Tim Duncan in the Spurs, or Michael Jordan in the Bulls, or LeBron James in Cleveland. Well, you know what I mean. And if you subscribe right now, you'll get a free month with eHarmony when you sign up for a three-month subscription. Just enter my code COACH at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying, meaningful relationship. 
It can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app that's built to bring you real love, eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started and enter my code COACH at checkout. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans, we are back, and I'm going to uh, I'll open this segment a lot smoother than I closed the last one, forgive me, but we're still working out the kinks here. Uh, and we have a great guest coming up in a few minutes. He's Jeff Diepenbrock, who uh, get, helps me do all my research when I'm looking for clips. And uh, it's been instrumental in helping me get this, this stuff done. And another reason to be on Twitter, because you never know who you're going to come across on Twitter and connect with and then end up being someone vital to what you're doing. So it's really cool stuff. Uh, also, later on in the show, I have a segment planned out to talk a little bit more about the Kevin Love situation, which, uh, if you didn't read, he came out with an article today about how he is suffering from panic attacks. And um, it's interesting because there are a lot of things that didn't make sense swirling him and how he missed um, he missed some of the um, uh, a part of a game in November, and then he also missed another game after the uh, after uh, after Isaiah Thomas and Dwayne Wade were playing uh, later on in January. And it turns out we find out now that it was from panic attacks. And he didn't tell anybody in November because I get it. He didn't, you know, and what he tells you in the article is really an impressive way of expressing how what we are all brought up as coaches and players when we're young is we we learned we learned to be a man and you can't talk about your feelings and you can't you're not supposed to have those feelings or else you're weak. So that was a real problem that I've always sort of rebelled against and it even gets to the point of um you know this over coaching over aggressive nature that make, makes you a worse player in my mind than not but we'll get more to that later on in the show and right now we do have jeff on the line to join us and as you all know jeff is a video coordinator for the georgia state men's basketball team and basically my right hand man these days so jeff thanks for coming on the show you got it what's going on hey hey glad to hear you, you sound really clear from over all the way in georgia and uh, let's yep. talk some Lakers. We've been going through some footage of you and I the last couple of days. And, you know, what are you seeing? Because if you don't know out there right now, the Lakers have won 17-25 and they're doing really well. What are you seeing out there that's uh, making them so much better these days? I think defensively, is a, they've taken a huge step. Um, you know, in December, they were 27th in defense. Um, and I think lately they've kind of bought more into Luke Walton's kind of switching scheme that he brought over from the Warriors and you know with the Warriors it's so much easier when you have a guy like Draymond on the back line barking out signals telling the young guys where to go and that takes some time to get used to because it's it's kind of different but now they they seem to be so much better quicker on their switches. That's interesting because you know I did a video with them and we looked at the three-point defense and it was actually really good to begin the year. They were up there um, in the top of the league in terms of holding their opponent to uh, a lower three-point percentage. And well, yeah. I'm still seeing a lot of the same kind of concepts where they contain very well. They're actually still holding teams to a very low field goal percentage overall. They're they're not as good at the three-point percentage right now. But you're right. They're they're actually I think what 11th overall right now in defensive rating. Yep. Yep. So what are you seeing? Who, yeah, who I mean, has benefited? I, yeah, yeah I, I think what they're doing with Lonzo is they kind of move him all over the court. You know, the, some of the lineups they've been playing lately, they'll just put Lonzo, like, 
early in the season, you'd have Lonzo just guarding everybody's point guard, right? But now it's like they're, they're putting him out on the wing and say, hey, your responsibility is just don't give up an open three in the corner. And he can rest, and that, you know, that gives him so much more energy offensively, uh, you know, to start breaks and whatnot. And you know, it kind of makes the whole team run that much more efficiently. Absolutely, and I, I kind of like that notion of positionless basketball, where not only is Lonzo able to play point guard, shooting guard, whatever he wants, but he also kind of can do that on defense as well. And they basically went to it. Sounds like it feels like Brandon Ingram is now almost the point guard, particularly when Lonzo Ball has been injured so much. Right. Yeah, and that's his assists have gone up so much. I think it was he was at about three assists a game. You know, I think it was about a month ago, and now he's up to over the past month almost five and that's a that's a great almost an astronomical overnight change and the team as a whole just seems to be gelling so much better and they've kind of bought in and are starting to just play well with each other Oh, I agree. And the thing with uh, the Ingram assist is that he's actually playing, uh, I think, two or three minutes less per game now. They've adjusted all the different minutes here. Kyle Kuzma is getting less minutes, and so is Brandon Ingram. Yet his assists, again, have gone from something like 12%, uh, his, use, his assist percentage to like 22 or 23, which is unprecedented. I don't think I can ever remember a guy who's played a lot of minutes through the whole <laughs> year that has made such a big jump. So what do you think that does to the defense when you have a guy like Brandon Ingram running the point guard position? Yeah, from watching him at Duke, his versatility is really what stuck out. He's got great IQ. Obviously, he's got great length. But when he's out there making decisions for others, that's less taxing on Lonzo. And it's almost kind of like if, you know, with the Sixers, if they were to have the LeBron and a Ben Simmons on the court, and then you have two big-time decision-makers, you know, it's kind of like what the Warriors do. And I can see what Luke is trying to do because that positionless basketball, you've got three guys out there really full of the Warriors that can make decisions for others, and it's just free-flowing. Absolutely, and it's fun. It's actually fun to watch them. I think the other guy that certainly has benefited from the trade when they got rid of, um, well, I don't want to say get rid of it, it's kind of neat and mean, but when they shipped uh, Larry Nance Jr. and um, Jordan Clarkson over to Cleveland to save their season, uh, I think Julius Randle is the guy that really seems to have benefited yeah. the most from all that shakeup. Julius Randle is one of the most underrated defenders in the NBA. He can switch out on the guards, he can move his feet exceptionally well, and yet, he, he got knocked because he doesn't have any size for his position, but he's able to move. He's ex- extremely strong. He's got great feet. Um, and, it, you know, the Lakers try to ice a lot of side ball screens, and Randall ends up switching out on the guard late in the shot clock. And I saw, I saw a couple of really good clips where he ended up switching on to, to uh, Goran Dragic. I mean, this is an all-star, and he's and great contest, he's moving his feet, uh, and they're communicating. It's, it's really a pleasure to watch. Sure, and it, it looks like his best lineups are when he's playing alongside Brook Lopez uh, as a power forward, where I would still like to see him maybe play some more center, in the small ball center. 
Uh, I maybe right. if Luke's listening, he could do that for us. But uh, I think that would be the next level and less, next iteration of him defensively, and then certainly offensively as well. He's just such a load, even though he only shoots lefty, only turns over his right shoulder. Uh, it's right. uncanny how the guy, and we've had that in the past in the NBA. We've seen guys, especially the lefties, who can only go left, and yet. You know, like Lamar Odom or Lenny Wilkins, or I know I'm forgetting some other really big name that's a lefty. Uh, you know, they always would go left, and yet they'd still be effective. Yeah, we we experienced that with a guy on our team actually, just a freshman. But it's unbelievable how guys just don't know how to guard left-handed basketball players. It's actually crazy because they're just not used to doing it, and. So many times these guys just keep going left, keep going left, keep going left, and it's it's really uncanny. Uh, one more thing on Lonzo though, they at UCLA they were horrible defensively. I mean they were absolutely awful. They were 86 nationally in defensive efficiency, right behind Fordham and Robert Morris. And I think that was you know a weakness the whole year for them, and it really got exposed in that Sweet 16 game where De'Aaron Fox went for 39. So. This isn't something that Wanda has been taught in college, like a Malcolm Brogdon who played for an elite defensive coach in Tony Bennett. Yeah, and, and, and let's, let's just stress, not only is he shooting well, but he's playing really good defense, and his, his net rating out there is astronomical uh, for the, the Lakers right now. So Lonzo Ball is a yeah. real big key. They've got to keep him healthy and keep him out there. So uh, awesome stuff. Can't wait to drop this video for you guys uh, coming up in the next, uh, I think, tomorrow morning. So we will... Um, we will get into that, and I can't wait to see it, Jeff. I, hope, I imagine you can't wait either. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Well, thanks for so much for joining us today, and I, I will get to the latest clips, and uh, with these, hopefully you'll send over some more for some other stuff, too, coming up. And we've got to take a break for a very brief moment, sports fans, so no flipping. And don't forget, I'm Coach Nick, and this is the B-Ball Breakdown. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans, it's Coach Nick, and we're back here coming at you live on SB Nation Radio. If you want to call in, feel free. The number is 1-800-777-2907. Got to come up with some sort of catchy way to say those numbers, the letters and whatever, but... Either way, uh, I'm excited to bring on my next guest, Jared Weiss, who is the editor of the Celtics Wire at USA Today, and shouts a bunch of words at a camera for another company that I, I might know a thing or two about called uh, CLNS Media. Um, oh, yeah, I think that makes Jared and me brothers in some sort of sick and twisted way, because maybe we're both part of the same thing. But you will find a better asker of questions at post-game conferences than Jared so, Jared, thanks for coming on the show today. What kind of Celtics propaganda do you have to spread tonight? Oh, God, there is always endless Celtics propaganda. Um, scary Terry Rozier is in the news right now. Uh, Marcus Smart is either a ninja or a wizard based on, uh, on the Chicago game last night. I mean, there are endless permutations to the world that is crazy Celtics Twitter. Well, let's start with Rozier because what are you talking about, man? What's going on with him? He, uh, he's just been, he's been on fire lately, and ever since he got the starting nod when Kyrie Irving went down for a couple of games, he had that triple-double in the first game, joining, of all people in the world, Tony Roten as the only other player to have a triple-double in their first start of their career. Ever since then, he's been, he's been pretty much hot. It's like he turned a corner after getting that extended run, and he's putting together a pretty strong season. 
And he's been he's like, the Celtics' second unit issues that they were having earlier in the year are starting to go away. Their offensive rating, I think, is close to 13 at this point now on the season. So they're finally climbing out of that pit, and they're winning games. I mean, the loss that they had over since the All Star break was a pretty tight one against the Rockets there, and Rozier and most of the second unit went off in that game. So it's been everything seems to be going pretty well for the guy right now. Wow. Well, you know, that's part of my issue, I think, with the Celtics overall when I'm watching them in some of the big games. I kind of felt like, you know what, I don't know if they really have the ability to just compete in the finals or the conference finals. But uh, are you seeing stuff that's making you feel a lot better that they have a legitimate shot at the conference finals and then maybe beyond? Yeah, I think they're, they're getting back to the team that was on top of the conference a couple months ago now because they're getting healthy. They've really locked down that nine-man rotation. Uh, they have Morris, Smart, uh, uh, Rozier, and it looks like Monroe for the most part, but Daniel Tice will also be in there. But they seem to have their playoff rotation kind of figured out at this point. And that's a pretty potent rotation. They don't have much drop-off in offensive capability anymore, so that's going to help their offense stay afloat. I still think Toronto, and most likely at the end, by the time they figure this out, Cleveland probably are favorited against the Celtics. But Celtics have the potency to make it to the finals. I don't think that's really changed anymore. But the one big thing, I think, is that Horford tends to really step up his game in the playoffs. And right now he's going through a bit of a nadir, and he kind of called himself out after the Houston game. He hasn't been shooting very well lately. If he really gets his shot back and is back in rhythm, I think they're playing probably at their peak, and that makes them probably a, pr- a fairly even chance to make the finals, even though Toronto statistically has been by far better than anybody in the East this year. And Cleveland seems to, you know, all the moves that they made seem to put them in position that they could make probably the strongest run out of anybody. Well, it wouldn't be uh, Jared Weiss on a pro- show if he didn't use the word nadir. Uh, I always kind of thought it was nader, <laughs> but either way, uh, the, the low point, I suppose, we'll call it. Um, so well, what is nader. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we, have, we don't want to get confused. Now, the question here, then, is what I had seen earlier on with Al Horford was Defensive Player of the Year candidate, like really aggressive and really active on the perimeter, and he was, he was shooting well from three. Uh, what are we seeing now that's, that's kind of missing at this point? Well, it was only for Winston's defense. It's not a ton of nitpick. I mean, what really was solidifying his candidacy was he had some big-time matchups where he really dominated. Uh, Christoph Porzingis was a huge one. Uh, he, he matches, I mean, Horford's one of the few guys in the league that matches up well at pretty much every position, and he quarterbacks the defense from behind. I think that the, the, the defense's drop-off in Marcus Smart's absence maybe shifted the conversation more to seeing how valuable Smart is, but Horford hasn't really, they haven't had like that type of experience with Horford where he's out for such an extended period of time as the defense fell apart to give that kind of evidence to Horford's effectiveness. I think that when you watch the Celtics defense, that Horford is kind of the glue that holds everything together, and Smart is the tone setter up top that's like the head of the charge. So it's it's hard it's hard to really determine whom of those two deserves the most credit. I would generally give it to Horford, although I think, especially at the end of games, that Smart maybe is the most impactful player defensively out of all of them. And I mean, I've, I tend to feel that Joel Embiid probably should be the defensive player of the year this year. But the Celtics have the number one off a defense in the league, and they have two of the league's best defenders who have been incredibly impactful this year. So there's still a pretty good argument to be made for Horford, but there's definitely, I don't think he's a clear favorite. He's definitely among the top tier candidates. 
Interesting. Well, we'll have to find out how that plays out. Uh, it seems to be that Gordon Hayward is, is teasing us a little bit here. What's the latest on him and what his recovery looks like? Well, so right after Hayward put out a teaser video through Players Tribune, so the Players Tribune, Stevens came out the next day and was asked again about that video, and he simply said, I don't know how else to say it, he's not playing this year. So they have gone, they've been very careful with their phrasing the entire year of trying to leave the door open, just, just because it is legitimately possible that he would make a return in time. But now the conversation is very quickly turned to, he's not going to be playing this year, it's gone from we don't expect it to it's just not going to happen. It's just not realistic. Uh, a couple of months ago, I think it was about a month ago, uh, Hayward said that, he's, that he uses what's called the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill. It basically reduces your body weight using a vacuum chamber. Probably a little too complicated for a quick hit on the radio. Point being is he said he was at 70% body weight working on that treadmill about a month ago. Stephen says he's still at 60%. It's not really clear exactly what number he is, but it seems to be that he's still pretty far from even running fully under his own power. And then that's that's only a halfway checkpoint, really, to being an actual NBA cutting, jumping, hard-turning, hard-stopping, all that kind of stuff. So it, it, I think the most remote possibility is that he comes back in time for, like, the end of the conference finals and finals. But I still, I the entire time, I found that to be pretty unlikely and unrealistic. So don't expect to see him. And, hey, if the Celtics make it to the finals and he can't play, I'm pretty sure they'll, live with the, they'll probably live with that silver lining there. For sure. And I, I know that a guy like Brad Stevens would not want to interrupt the chemistry they developed all year long. To throw a guy in there, it's like you're setting up to fail. It doesn't sound like it's a great idea no matter what you want to you know, put, a, put a shine on it. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that he came out and said it. I, don't, I hope that the Celtics fans actually believe him when he says that he's not going to play this year. But either way, the fact that he's walking around and, and you know, uh, his legs didn't look that small compared to, I remember when Kobe did his Achilles and his leg was half the size, you know, just that fact is a miracle in and of itself of you know modern medical science. So uh, that is a great thing to see, at least that he's up and around and, and his spirits are good. Uh, what do you think about Cleveland? Are they real? Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, I think their ceiling gets lowered with the trade that they made because they don't have the potential for Isaiah to really get it together, which was probably the right bet. But they seem to have put all the pieces around LeBron to make it really work off of LeBron. And then we'll see what happens when Love gets back. But I, I think they're definitely going to be for real, and I think they'll be the favorite. We know that playoff LeBron and regular season LeBron are two entirely different players. And I would rather have a team that is built with a bunch of decent players that complements LeBron ideally and puts athletic wings near him so that the defensive pressure is off of him. And I think that's what they were going for. The, uh, you know, They made some long-term financial sacrifices to do that. They had to sacrifice a pick. But I think they put the system in place that as it starts to really take hold over the next few weeks will probably be much better, frankly, than they were even when they were playing at their best earlier this year. Interesting, because, you know, it looked really, really good the very in the very beginning when the trade happened, and now they've had some clunkers in there, and people are settling into different roles again, and, you know, LeBron isn't, uh, you know, having these effusive moments of smiling and happiness and, and high-fiving anymore. So, I don't know. I wonder if um, if it was maybe a quick injection of the, uh, what's that thing when you put the stab someone in the heart with uh, adrenaline, and then, and then it wears off after a little while. I, th- I think you have your honeymoon period when you first make a big change like that, and then everyone's like, all right, the honeymoon's over, now it's time to really work on this relationship, and they're at that building stage now. But they have, I think they have the right template in place to really make it work around LeBron, 
And the, the potential to build off of that is pretty clear. And they have so many scores now on this team that, you know, like, there's not gonna, they're not going to have offensive lineups out there where there's only one or two people that are capable of getting a shot or hitting a shot. That's something I think I'm even more interested really than in probably newfound defensive versatility. For sure. Well, as we wrap this up, let's give it, get to some predictions because we have three teams, it sounds like, that have a legit shot. Really, I guess, if you want to talk Toronto, the Celtics, and the Cavs, which two are going to make the conference finals? I am still leaning Toronto and Cleveland at this point. Uh, I mean, right now it's lined up for Toronto with the one seed, and their their matchup's probably going to be pretty easy, for, or I guess ideal for them. And then if it's Cleveland versus Boston, I I would I think Boston is decide between those two teams right now. But Cleveland, once they put it together, I think that just between LeBron and the the multitude of scoring they have, I think they'll be capable of beating Boston, which should be an incredibly tight series. Uh, I agree, absolutely. And again, it's really just an intriguing uh, set of circumstances here where we get to see w- whether the Toronto is for real or not, or whether the Celtics are going to have a mirage, are they real? And then certainly can the Cavs get it all together? So I know I am really anxious to find out what's going to happen uh, down the stretch. And by the way, the season's practically over. It's really scary. So, uh, Jared. We never have enough time to get through everything we want to talk about. It's a sad state of affairs, but you'll have to come on the show again at some point and spread more of your Celtics propaganda, okay? We'll schedule a 10-hour segment next time so we can probably get everything in. All right, great. We may have to do some overtime on Periscope and YouTube, and we'll set it, we'll spread it all out, but for sure we'll do that. And don't forget, you can find him uh, at Jared Weiss NBA. So... I'm Coach Nick, and when I'm talking to you guys, I want you to make sure you stay glued to that bench. I have to call a quick timeout to draw up some plays, but when we return, I'm going to expect nothing less than flawless execution out of you guys. So don't go anywhere. Uh, start getting stretched out and get warmed up. Take some extra free throws. Get ready. And when we come back, I'll have even another uh, great segment for you as we come up with Dave Dufour and more on the NBA on the B-Ball Breakdown. The B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans, what is up? It is Coach Nick, as that announcer said. I wish he could just sort of live in my house and just announce whenever I walk into a room. That's a really seriously good voice he's got there. Um, well, before we bring on Dave DeFore and have a nice segment with him, I want to talk a little bit about um, this whole thing with Kevin Love. I know I kind of teased it in the beginning and then got cut off, but here I am to talk more about it because here's the thing that really bugs me was he ended up having a panic attack in the middle of a game against OKC and had to leave very early and they didn't go to practice the next day. And they had that big infamous team meeting in the locker room. And that was what was kind of crazy to me because they started, like Dwayne Wade led this chorus of people screaming at him about, like, where were you and you didn't you let us down? And Isaiah Thomas apparently uh, chimed in as well. And it basically forced Kevin Love to acknowledge that, you know, I'm sorry, I had a panic attack. I have anxiety. I had some issues and I couldn't, I just, you know, if you all know what that's like, and I know on some level what it's like, those are some serious things. That's, that's the same thing as, as Kevin Love said, as breaking your hand or tearing your ACL. And so... 
What I also, what I find kind of fascinating about that is that here's a guy, Dwayne Wade had just gotten there. I mean, basically, he'd been a team since the beginning of the year. Isaiah Thomas hadn't even really been playing at all, and is just now getting was just now getting back at that time in January. And it just seems like they're they're teammates. They're on the same team. And I know that people get frustrated, and I've certainly been involved with you know players who don't like each other and they start yelling. But this kind of thing with guys who are veterans like that, you would have thought that they would have said, "Hey, man, like, are you okay? Like, you know, he had a migraine, like whatever it was, you would have been a little bit more compassionate." And instead, it, it kind of forced him to to have to acknowledge this publicly. Maybe he didn't really want to, although it did sound like Kevin Love was happy to talk about it now um, in this article and sort of broach that subject. Which is the other part of the thing I wanted to make clear is that I feel like too many coaches teach players uh, about, you know, how to be a man, how to be tough. And I think it's fake tough. You know, tough to me is being able to execute a play on the road against a hostile, you know, in a hostile environment. That's tough. It's not like, you know, running into a guy and knocking him over and showing him that you're there. And it's also not like hide your feelings and don't show your weaknesses because then people are going to be able to attack that. That's not tough either. So I'm really kind of glad that, that Kevin Love came out and, and sort of said this. And then DeMar DeRozan as well, he talked last week about depression because it doesn't have to be weak to talk about those things. And then also, you know, translates into what I'm talking about, about diving on the ball, diving on the ground for loose balls. You know, I talk about this a lot, especially on Twitter, about how you know, the worst position you can be in, in basketball is on the ground, on the floor with the ball. So why are we teaching our players to do that? We should teach them how to run sort of doubled over like a third baseman after a slow roller and scoop it up and go. That's what they should be learning. And then you might get a, a layup on that on that instead of on the ground where there's either a turnover with a travel or a jump ball or they steal the ball when you're trying to pass it to a, a teammate of yours. So, you know, and the coaches will yell at me saying, oh, no, my players get so amped up when they see their teammate dive. Well, the only reason why they do that is because you've taught them to do that. I can guarantee you if I taught my players to scoop and then go and get a layup, they'd get more amped up about that than they would ever about a guy diving on the ground and maybe getting a loose ball or not. So I, I, I think that there's, these things are all related in the sense that this over-aggressive, uh, you know, we teach our players to run as hard as they can, and yet we scratch our heads when they're out of control and unbalanced and lose the ball for, for that reason. So uh, it's really just frustrating to me for a lot of reasons on that end about you know, why uh, why we're here, and I'm hoping that we're going to have you know some sort of evolution towards um, you know a more mindful approach to the game and a more uh, skillful approach where it's not just about you know trying to like out um, out muscle the other guy. I mean, there's always players that are like that and they have that sort of naturally built in. But I, I always sort of what appeals to me is the, I guess, the more intelligent version of basketball, the more skilled version of basketball, um, because the problem that you end up having is um, is you have guys who like maybe aren't as skilled as they could be who think that they're going to out-hustle everybody, and so they spend a lot more time on that than they could be with working on the skills of ball handling or shooting, right? And I know that happened to me, and I, I had decided that I was just going to run harder and, and play harder for longer than everybody else. And uh, it worked for me, but I would have been much better off in a different mindset where I wasn't trying to run as hard as I can every step I've ever played in the basketball game where I could have had some balance, I could have had some change of pace, a lot of different things. So um, that would have really, really helped me if um, we had that mindset. Um, so uh, I'm really happy that Dave did it. And by the way, this other thing that I want to talk about is that Dwayne Wade trade to Miami was very, very strange to me from the beginning. He got traded for a second-round pick, like almost nothing. So what I find interesting about that is that Here's a guy who went off on a teammate 
in a in a pretty you know um, in a way that wasn't very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't very nice to Kevin Love. So and then Isaiah Thomas the same way. And next thing you know, a few weeks later, they're both traded. So I have to wonder if there's a connection between Dwayne Wade getting traded back to Miami and how he treated Kevin Love in that meeting. Because obviously they're, they're committed to Kevin Love. And if you say stuff like that and you don't know all the facts and you could create a rift that will never heal, you know, in theory, between like Wade and Kevin Love. Now, Love seems like the nicest guy in the world who would always be willing to, you know, go halfway towards something. But I wonder if Altman had seen that or heard that or knew what happened and was like, we were not going to have this kind of attitude on our team. Um, and as a result, they would send it back. Because in theory, once all this new blood came into Cleveland and they played or playing a lot better, then you would think that Dwayne Wade would want to stay. And you'd think that they want him to stay to have him, you know, in the, in the muck of a, you know, intense playoff battle going deep into the playoffs. You need a guy like a veteran with have, that has that kind of um, experience. So they got rid of him. So I think that there's a lot more layers to this, and eventually maybe it'll come out or maybe not. But um, I, it just doesn't sound right to me, and it almost sounds to me like Dwayne Wade got traded specifically because of what he said to Kevin Love in that locker room. So uh, we'll, maybe we'll know, maybe we'll know. But either way, we have another guy to bring on from even more information about the, about the NBA. That is uh, Dave Dufour, my partner in crime. He's the host of the On the NBA with Dave Dufour podcast. Appears weekly on another sick and twisted pod called the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast with some guy named Coach Rick. No, Coach Nick. Wait. Oh, that's me. Sorry. Dave, is that you, my friend? I'm here. How are you? I am good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, cleaning my house because I'm trying to sell it. Oh, that's you know what? I would recommend cleaning the house before you sell it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> All right, that's, that's good. Well, supposedly we have some really good chemistry. So why don't we show everybody out there what kind of chemistry we have by talking some NBA? What do you say? Sounds good. We, I, I think we're pretty, pretty good in the give and go. That's true, although we don't know what the give and the go is right now. So name something. Let's go on it. Let's do it. How about the Houston Rockets? You want to talk about the Rockets again? <laughs> Are you like wants you to talk about. Well, I guess what, how can we approach this in a different way that we haven't already talked about for so long? Um, I don't know. How about this? Is, is, is James Harden better than Steph Curry? No. Yeah, that, almost, that, 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 yeah. that might be a silly concept. Are people really? saying that? Well, there might, someone might be making a video about it pretty soon. Oh. You don't think that's a compelling, no. interesting argument? Um, I, I think that, I mean, I'm sure someone could make the argument, and certainly they are two of the most potent offensive players in the NBA, but uh, I'm not ready to say Harden is is better than Steph. I'm not there yet. Okay. Well, we can't. Is it fair to, to compare uh, statistics when you're looking at these guys? Not really, uh, because I think the Harden's uh, playmaking statistics are probably going to look better, at least from the assist standpoint, if you want to just kind of think simply. Um you know, he has the ball in his hands a lot more as the primary creator. Whereas the Warriors, you know, so much of their, their offense, it comes from, you know, actions away from the ball and, and, you know, secondary assists. And, uh, I mean, Harden has just been incredible in isolation, not just as a scorer, but, but a lot of his assists are one pass assists. So, um, yeah, I think that the, the numbers may be skewed just a touch. Not to mention the usage rate for Harden is, is astronomical. 
Right, and I think that's what I was getting at because their roles and their offenses are, are really different. Um, part of the reason is because obviously with Kevin Durant there and Clay Thompson and, and everyone, Draymond Green, they have a lot of other weapons that, you know, and, and Steph Curry is simply committed to sharing the ball as, as Steve Curry. So that, that will, the numbers won't, won't always match up that well, certainly in assist wise. Scoring wise, I suppose you could kind of look at it as, as maybe like, I guess is your point that Steph is still that much better because he's just getting that, that, those few less touches than compared to Harden? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. Huh. You know, I yeah. mean, but J- James Harden is just a vicious, he's a vicious man. And who puts, I, okay, how about this? Who, who puts more pressure on a defense now? Well, right now, it's definitely hard. I mean, his, his ability, the things he can do with the basketball in his hands are pretty incredible. And, and again, a lot of that is how he's used. And, and, you know, you and I have talked about this quite a bit on the podcast where, um, you know, we, we both feel like while Steve Kerr definitely empowers Steph Curry to do a lot of the things that make him great, he also holds him back quite a bit in the, uh, you know, and, and kind of limits his individual greatness. Now, now there's an argument to be made that the, the goals of the team outweigh the, you know, the, the needs of the, the one player. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that's kind of the, the difference in philosophy from, from Kerr to, to Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni is all about one guy. I mean, if you've got one guy who can do it, he's going to ride that guy into the ground. And <laughs> Kerr is not, not going to do that. So are you already prepping your criticism of Kerr for the playoffs when uh, Curry is not getting enough pick and roll and ISOs? Oh, yeah. I mean, those guys are firing those out already during the regular season, getting warmed up for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. And so the question then is, is you know, are the Spur, uh, sorry, are the Warriors just, um, you know, are, is this going through the motions thing uh, real? Or have you seen enough evidence of them turning it on here and there to show that they are going to be able to do it when it comes down to it? Um, I believe that they will, but I, it still makes me nervous. I, I, I don't love any team that that just you know looks as. I'm not going to say there's a malaise in Golden State, but it definitely doesn't look the same. There's not the same joy that we've seen from this team the last few years. There's not the same, like, I mean, Draymond Green, say what you will about anyone else coasting, but Draymond Green was never coasting until this season. And, you know, I I worry about a guy like that who, you know, so much of his game depends on him being peak Draymond. And and, and I mean that not just physically, but mentally as well. And I I wonder if, if he can flip that switch come playoff time, you know, if he doesn't do it all year. So that's my one concern. Is, it's really about Draymond. Does that last game between the Rockets and the Celtics uh, give you any kind of uh, uh, more confidence in the Rockets? Because they, they that was one of those games where, like, you have to be a championship-style team to pull that thing out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that they kind of proved what I've been saying about them for a couple months. They're legit. They are the real deal as far as being a, a contender for the for the title. I, I really think that this team, if they get hot enough in a, in a seven-game series with the Warriors, they could be the first team that we've seen with a realistic shot of beating a full-strength Golden State Warriors. Dave, it is that time, unfortunately. There is no overtime in this game. The clock is about to hit zero, and let's face it, you hit the game winner in my face. So thank you so much for coming on tonight. Don't forget, sports fans, to check out his podcast on the NBA with Dave Dufour. 
And because we let in too many points, sports fans, I'm making you run some suicides. So rest up for a minute, stretch out those hammies, and we'll be right back on the B-Ball Breakdown. It's the B-Ball Breakdown with Coach Nick on SB Nation Radio. Coming to you live from the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Coach Nick. Hey, sports fans, another great show in the books for you. I'm actually not going to make you run suicide. I decided against it because it's not a good waste, a good use of our practice time. So we will actually just finish up talking about uh, the Steph versus Harden thing is a real thing. I think it's a really good conversation. I'm certainly going to do a video on that very soon. So stay tuned over on our YouTube channel for that one because uh, there's something compelling about that. I feel like maybe Harden has eclipsed uh, uh, Curry, or he's certainly doing more uh, in a way that there's an argument to be made. I know it's not just stats. It's just like he is Hercules out there just carrying his team on all, uh, so many different nights. Uh, tomorrow we have a great video coming about the Lakers, and if you heard our uh, interview with Jeff earlier today, tonight we talked all about that, so that'll be a really good video as well, uh, talking about what's going on with uh, Julius Randle and why he's doing so much better and how the trade actually loosens some things up. Isaiah Thomas is giving a little bit more production than um, George Clarkson was, and they're just had an unprecedented rise in three point shooting, which really shows you how important three point shooting is. It can hide a lot of the other issues you might have on a team when you can shoot a lot better. Uh, you can mitigate a lot of issues you might have on with talent and with um, defensive issues you might have. But the Lakers, again, they've been pretty, pretty good on defense uh, overall for the year. So Luke Walden has got them whipped into shape. Uh, looking at the schedule right now, there's a Nets at Warriors a little bit later on tonight, which I think you should get your eyes on. Something about that game, for some reason, tells me it could be fun. Right now, we got Rockets and Thunder, and it's a 36-30 game. Rockets are leading, so I'm going to flip that game on to see what's going on there. Definitely a grudge match between grunge, grudge, whatever you want to call it, between uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And um, we have, uh, let's see here. Another, another close game I thought was interesting is Toronto and Atlanta is a one-point game. The Hawks are actually up one early in the fourth quarter, which is, seems crazy to me. So uh, we'll have to find out what happens in that game. And if it's really crazy, hey, maybe I'll even do a breakdown of it. So uh, let's see here. Another great show. Really excited you guys could be here every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and I'm Coach Nick with you uh, every, uh, every week to break down the NBA, let you know what's going on on the court, bring on great guests to break everything down for you as well. And don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. Uh, it is uh, tons of videos there and video analysis. And then uh, also we have um, my podcast, the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast, which is kind of more of this uh, with uh, you know Dave Dufour comes on every week and some really great stuff. So uh, do not forget to join us there. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. You win. 